Hello and welcome to Ecoliday Unplugged. It's Tuesday the 2nd of July 2019. Sadly in the context of this podcast, one day after National Joke Day. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jamie Hawkins here in London. Well, so much for selling may and go away because stock markets have generally had a sparkling June. And with the US-China trade talks apparently on track again, July has started much the same vein. Still, a successful resolution to a tariff war is far from guaranteed. A market seems to be putting a lot of faith in the ability of the central banks to keep economic growth going. That may be justified, but then there are probably diminishing returns to any additional quantitative easing. And for many countries, interest rates are already so low they can't be cut much further. So the Persian Gulf, hardly a bastion of stability. Could there yet be some nasty shocks around the corner? And talking of which, of course, it's US Employment Week. So, Mark, are you expecting any nasties in Friday's data? No, it's uh, it's an upbeat forecast. The nasties were for the um, for the May report, for the uh, June report. Now, they, uh, the forecasters are seeing. Uh, things coming back to within uh, the trend range, the Econoday consensus for Friday's non-farm payroll growth is 165,000, and that would compare with a very, very uh, soft 75,000 uh, in May. Now, uh, May wasn't the only bad month that we've seen this year for payroll growth. There was also uh, February, which was at 33,000. So uh, we can have some uh, past issues, uh, whether they reappear, if they do reappear, rate cut talk at the end of the month will be in full force. Um, otherwise, for the expectations on Friday, uh, looking for a little bit of warming up in average hourly earnings to 0.3% monthly uh, gain from 0.2%, uh, very soft gain in June. The um, And Econoday's forecasters are looking for a one tick uptick in Average hourly earnings to year-on-year year 3.2%. But this reminds me of the uh, – have you had a chance to read the Australian um, uh, statement from the Reserve Bank? Yep. What was interesting was um, how they spun uh, lack of wages, a lack of wage growth as an indication of slack in the employment uh, – in, in the labor market. Uh, that formulation – Hasn't really. There's always uh, in the U.S. The formulation has been that um, it's a mystery while why there's no uh, pressure or there's a, a, a lack of a uh, relative pressure on wages, and so uh, uh, that must mean that there's something um, that's separated with wages. But the the way the Australians put it, they're still keeping that um, traditional thing in 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 view. And uh, anyway, that's what I just – I thought that was an interesting angle. No, it is. And I think – and actually, just sticking with that for the moment, from, from your side, I mean, it seems now that it, people are, fo- are back again to focusing more upon the payroll and sort of the average earnings component. I won't say it doesn't matter anymore, but it doesn't seem to be you know, having the same kind of impact in ways, oh, look, inflation is going to go up, keeping on earnings. Uh-huh. So is it the case now that were we to get, let's say, a surprise big increase in earnings on <laughs> Friday, that yeah. could be something which really – spooks the market that or would does it not matter anymore well no it, it would it would kick in i think if there was a unexpected spike let's say a 0.4 percent uh, mm-hmm. uh monthly change um which is the top uh, forecast the uh, top end of the forecast range that would cool expectations for a rate cut um in july uh, 
whether or not the Federal Reserve can really stick to this wanting to prevent wage inflation, uh, given the, the other areas of slowing, unless this employment report if the employment report uh, shows a lot of payroll growth, unexpectedly strong payroll growth, along with uh, unexpectedly uh, strong wage growth, um, I think uh, it would need both of those uh, to be able to cool because uh, uh, talk of rate hike now is so uh, intense yeah, that it sure. would take it would take both of those to to cool that down. One or the other probably w- wouldn't be sufficient. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at you know, going back to kind of what you're saying about Australia um, taking the ECB. When you listen to what they're currently saying, they've adopted very much the same line as the Fed for a long time now. You know, that being, well, look, look, we've got a tight, tight labour market, not as tight as the US, but you know, unemployment's been coming down for a long time um, by eurozone standards. Um, the labour market's getting tighter, wages are go up and push inflation up. Hence, we don't have to do anything with policy. But it does seem now that they're almost getting to a stage where they're throwing in the towel and wages growth in the eurozone is running at what about 2.2 percent at the moment so i mean it has been creeping up but only very slowly and i think they're taking a view now well look if growth really isn't going to pick up much and no one's really expecting it too much in continental europe we're simply not not going to get the additional push to wage growth needed for it to have any kind of impact on inflation Mm. so um yeah, it really does seem wages certainly across continental Europe at the moment, although the Bank of England will certainly still hark on about wage growth. It's simply, you know, the link between it and inflation doesn't seem to be what it once was. Yeah, but it's interesting that how Australia is still keeping that link in. You know, they're just... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So see if they perhaps they're right and other people are giving up too soon. Time will certainly tell. Yeah, Okay, anything um, stateside we sh- else we should be talking about, looking at this week? Well, it's just been, you know, uh, 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 the data has been soft. We had the ISM yesterday, the uh, manufacturing report. This is very, very closely watched. And uh, it came in below expectations. It's been just a steady uh, slump in r- uh, rates of growth now. Uh, actually, um, excuse me, actually, as the um, Bureau of Economic Analysis uh, ranks the different readings. Uh, we're actually at borderline with 51.7. That's actually uh, at borderline contraction. Um, 50 is the normal uh, one. They, uh, uh, the BEA does uh, their own measurements, and it's a little bit higher to get that break even, which means that we're probably already there, um, which is not a very uh, strong indication for uh, GDP, and I mean this by that's what people are going to think. This is not actually a government report. This is a sample of leading purchasers in the nation, and and it's a you know a very closely watched and very highly respected sample. But it's actually not the actual data itself. So, uh, but in any case, this is hinting at or pointing uh, uh, to uh, slowing uh, growth in the economy. Really. Um, that has been the uh, trend right now. We also had construction spending yesterday. Uh, the uh, the housing sector is uh, in a is still. It's kind of been flat this year. It kind of moved up in uneven places and uneven uh, degrees. Um, but uh, yesterday's housing uh, starts numbers, uh, 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 construction spending numbers were so soft on the residential side. It actually also had. Uh, downticks in private non-residential and in public spending. Um, and this is kind of uh, not – it wasn't expected at all. So there is still something uh, uh, not clicking in the in the housing construction sector. And this is a sector that really doesn't get a lot of the Fed's focus. And I really don't uh, 
understand why. Now, but out of the UK, we had a construction PMI that uh, that didn't look so hot, and you also had some um, home price data that didn't look so hot. We did, certainly. I mean, I suppose you've got to say at the moment, in terms of house prices, we had the uh, survey from the Nationwide, one of the major mortgage lenders in the UK. That came in and suggests that house prices still ticking along around about the 0.5% mark. Um, we got falls taking place in London, but other bits and pieces of the country still got slow growth going. You know, again, it's all this Brexit uncertainty weighing down on things. But the, the big surprise, I think, really was, as, as you mentioned, we had this purchasing managers survey for the UK construction sector. And that really was, well, that was pretty horrible. I mean, that came in at 43.1. And that's the lowest figure we've seen there since what, going back to what, about 2009. So kind of, you know, midst of the, the great financial crisis. Now, again, we've got these industries suggesting that much of this has to do with Brexit because we're getting deferred orders. We're getting delayed orders. Uh, a lot of building has taken place uh, preempting Brexit, which, of course, was supposed to have happened by now. And we're simply getting the payback for that, which continues to make the really identification of uh, underlying trends all the harder. But nonetheless, it does seem to be the case that UK underlying growth has slowed or is continuing to slow, which ought to mean really, of course, that the Bank of England should be talking about you know, cutting interest rates rather than hiking them. But as far as they're concerned at the moment, they're still sticking with this view. And it, again, it hocks back to wages that they expect to see wages growth responding to a still tight major um, wait. Ah, start again to a still tight labour market which will push inflation up so I think you know, as far as markets concerned it's just a matter of time before UK rates come down um, almost irrespective well it's a, a no deal Brexit or an actual you know clean um, fair Brexit well that's really one of the, the banks that haven't been uh, on the dovish side yet so you see them moving the BOE moving into the dovish uh, fold I think they're going to be forced to. Um, and we had some interesting numbers coming out from the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, earlier on today. And it should be said that he is very much in the Remain camp anyway. So his view perhaps is somewhat biased. But he was talking these sort of scare stories whereby were we to get a no deal Brexit? And let's be honest, we still got no idea which way this is going to fall. Um, he's talking about a cost of the exchequer around about 90 billion sterling. Um, and that's going to be a significant hit to the UK economy. So although the government's built up this so-called Brexit war chest, um, that would just be swamped. Um, that runs at around about, what, 25, 26 billion sterling or so. That would mm -hmm. be completely swamped if we got a hit like that. So yeah. it is still the case. You know, Brexit is dominating sort of sentiment in the UK at the moment. I have a quick question again about the PMI construction. Um, the 43.1, uh, you say that it's uh, an expansion low. Um, that, if, if we got something like that on the ISM, that would be, you know, that would be, people would be talking about recession and, and things like right. that. That would be of maximum significance. Is this index more volatile than uh, other diffusion indexes? Is this 43.1 really a shocker? Well, it's certainly a shock in the sense that I'm just, just looking at the market estimates. Some is relatively limited number of estimates provided for this. But, you know, they were around about sort of the 49 type level. So, you know, six big figures short pretty well. So, yes, it was a big surprise. But it's got to be said, I think, you know, in you know, comparison, say, with, I don't know, the construction part of your non-farm payroll, you know, construction sector in general tends to be very volatile. It can be hit by big weather mm -hmm. swings and stuff like that. And as mm -hmm. we said before, of course, for the UK, it's 
it's all about Brexit. And at the moment, you know, trying to work out, well, what does a 43.1 uh, for Jude mean if we didn't have Brexit? Brexit. If we didn't have Brexit, well, the Brexit concerns, it'd be in a hor- horrendous number, as you suggest. But because we got Brexit, we don't know if it's really sort of underlying 43 or is it perhaps closer to 50? Okay, now now tell us about uh, German uh, retail sales. Now, they have been falling for three months in a row. I mean, this would be a big, if this was in the U.S., this would change, uh, this would move a rate hike, I mean, a rate cut right up to a, to a, a, an immediacy. Um, well, it's going to be important, I think, for the ECB. Um, it should be said, right, you mentioned the German number, which obviously still we're talking about getting on for 30% of the total eurozone. We saw a, a decline in May of 0.6% on the month. Now, to be fair, they did revise the back figures. And one of the problems with the German retail sales data is that they do get revised significantly. But the back numbers revised from a fall of 2%, which is the renders figure down to 1, 1% fall. But nonetheless, you say the trend is still very much clearly down. Markets were looking for total Eurozone retail sales, which come out on, on Thursday this week, to be up about 0.4%. Well, this immediately makes for some downside risk to that. And just looking at you know the way the figures are coming at the moment, if we assume a kind of flat figure uh, for the Eurozone for May, then you're going to need a big increase in June just to ensure a flat second quarter. Now, retail sales provided a significant boost to first quarter Eurozone GDP. It looks as if it's going to be missing that in the second quarter. And of course, we're talking domestic demand here, which is what the ECB looks at anyway. So it's just more pressure on the ECB to come out and do something in terms of greater policy accommodation. And we can't blame Brexit for any of this. Not really. I think I mean, Brexit's had an effect certainly upon the likes of German industry because, you know, basically German companies aren't sure what to do anymore. Can they still build BMWs or other cars in the UK and ship them freely back into the European market or the Eurozone market, I should say? You know, they don't know. So it's certainly having some kind of impact in terms of um, fi- uh, fixed investment and this kind of thing. In terms of the uh, consumer sector, it's an interesting one. If you look at the likes of the GFK consumer surveys, you do find Brexit being mentioned when you know folks are asked about economic situation and job opportunities and so on so it may be at least at the margin i think in re- and a margin retail sales has had uh, been hit by some extent to brexit but not nothing like we've seen in the uk so far anyway um, okay, what else should we be mentioning? Um, I suppose just mention quick in terms of a eurozone, since we're all talking quite negatively at the moment. Um, one thing to keep an eye on is what some of these central banks are doing. Obviously, everyone's waiting to see if the ECB is going to cut or not. But just a sign of the times, we've had a number of the national central banks who are now asking their local banks to raise their so-called counter-cyclical buffers for credit risk exposures uh, to the non-financial sector. Uh, Belgium called for a, a half a percentage point uh, increase last week. We've already had similar moves out of Germany, France, Ireland, and if I remember rightly, Luxembourg as well. And this really is a reflection of the fact that these banks are starting to get a little bit concerned now about you know, increased credit risk due to the way the Eurozone, indeed European economy, is, is performing at the moment. So if nothing else, you can take that as a kind of a, you know, a sort of a leading indicator just how you know, concerned some of these central banks are becoming now about the prospects for European growth. When was the last time we had a big bank stress test in in Europe? Well, they do them every couple of years or so. Um, But I think there's a general sense that 
the uh, yeah the quality of a stress test isn't really sufficient. So it's basically too too easy for a lot of commercial banks just to pass these stress tests and say, look, yeah, you know, we're fine. In actual fact, financial markets a good deal more you know suspicious about it. And indeed, as we speak, although you wouldn't know it from where the bond market's going at the moment, there are you know always lingering concerns about the size of the you know the, the debt mountain in Italy and indeed in Greece as well. So although, as I say, in terms of spreads within the European bond market, it may not be apparent for now. If we were to see some kind of a global ta- global downturn, economically speaking, then we'd certainly see some pressures emerging in those markets, I suspect, quite rapidly. Um, okay, what else have we got mentioned? Mark mentioned um, Reserve Bank of Australia. They went and cut interest rates um, earlier on today by 25 basis points to a new record low of 1%. And from what they're saying, it looks as if we could get another one before too long. So certainly still very much a soft interest rate outlook there. And last week, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, they didn't move. Their um, official cash rate has stayed at a record low of 1.5%. But they also conceded that lower interest rates may be necessary um, if things continue as they are at the moment in terms of weak employment and inflation. Okay, um, any else or anything else? No, that's we've rounded one it these, up. I think. You know, what, one of these days we're going to have a chat and it's all going to be good news and we can sort of you know, finish <laughs> off big smiley faces. Does good <laughs> news sell? It has to sell, right? Uh, that, is a, that is, of course, a very, very fair point, yes. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, which case then, on behalf, as always, of Mark and myself, thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week. I suspect one of us more happy than the other, since, of course, we do have the Ladies' World Cup semi-final football match between yes. the US and England taking yes. place today. Eyes and ears glued to that. Um, I know uh-huh. who I'm supporting. I'm certainly no Mark supporting. Uh-huh. So we'll be able to talk about that next week. Uh-huh. One of well, us will be happy uh, at least. let's wish them both luck and may the best team win. And indeed, and through to the final as well. That's only a matter of days away as well. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Bye for now.